Well, good morning and God's peace, my friends. Um, and Merry Christmas. We can, we, can, uh, we can officially greet each other with the Merry Christmas. The, um, I said that the day after Thanksgiving, I was with my niece in Home Depot. And um, as I was leaving, you know, the cashier rung me up and all that. And I said, hey, Merry Christmas. And she didn't say anything and looked at her watch. I, I think she was looking, you know, is this, has Thanksgiving happened yet? Is it, are we there yet? Uh, but we're there and we are now uh, in this season. And this is the first of our new series, Home for the Holidays. Um, and Christmas is definitely my favorite time of year. It's my favorite holiday. And this is, there's a distinction I like to make between uh, Christmas and Christmas time. And those are two different things. Uh, obviously connected, but those are two different uh, sort of, I don't know if you'd say like parts of it, you know, two sides of the same coin. Uh, because Christmas is unique in that it has a time that leads up this time of anticipation that uh, that we would enter into um, and, 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 and all these areas that are ways that we, <laughs> the way we prepare for this. Um, I don't know if your home is starting to take a transformation like mine is, uh, where, where we got lights around the windows now that aren't usually there year round and, um, you know, decorations going up, the music has changed. We have, Amy Grant now or something playing. Um, the tree, we still got to get a tree up, but there's a lot of preparation, a lot of work. If we want Christmas lights on the outside of the house, though, I told my wife, we're going to have to think of that in July next year because I'm not going out there right now and hanging those. But um, paper chains, you kids still do paper chains? Any of you? A little, yeah, I mean... And ripping off more than one in a day does not speed it up at all. Um, Advent calendars, hopefully you're pacing yourself on those because they got to last you till Christmas. Um, <clears throat> but uh, there's something about this Christmas time that this time of anticipation and waiting that we all share in. It's this common experience that we are waiting for Christmas and looking forward to Christmas and preparing with our homes and then and maybe buying presents and thinking about those things. Um, but uh, so in this, in this season of anticipation, which is this a, a good feeling, we also take time when we're meeting together or we're, we're thinking about people that we miss maybe. And that's something that I think about around Christmas time, um, especially maybe this year, maybe more than some, because it's been a few years since we moved away uh, from family. And in those few years, I've lost four important people to me, my grandpa and my grandma and, my t and two of my uncles. And these are pictures from us singing Christmas songs together. Those are the same books that we, that we would always, we do that a lot during Christmas. Well, I, I miss that. You know what? I long for that. There's something in me that, that 
I don't, I don't know if it's the same as saying I long for home, but it's in that same ballpark. Like I want to be, I want to, I want to experience that again. Maybe when I was a kid and they were all there and grandpa would be picking melody and I'd be strumming on my canjos or whatever, but it's just something I miss and I long for that again. Um, I also long for, uh, this is something that, that our family and a few other families are working on um, uh, an adoption process that we're working on. And we're nearing, we got three classes this week and we'll be wrapping up our, um, to be licensed foster care and then we can do, you know, so there's a process that we're working through. I'll tell you what, I, you know, am I anxious? Am I looking forward to something? I, I was thinking possibly maybe by Christmas I would be able to welcome this new child into their forever home. Their forever home. I get to be that guy. I'm going to be that guy. You know, this family is going to be that forever family. Um, and I long for that. I really do. And, you know, we'll keep working away and keep going, going, doing the classes, doing the paperwork and stuff. But it will happen. It will happen that, that this, this, uh, all this work, that there is an end to this and it's, it will happen. Um, so I, I guess I, I would like you to kind of think about, these are a couple things I'm longing for, and I'd like you to think about that because, and I'm saying that because I know um, there's, there's I, I know that there are uh, people that are longing for healing for their bodies, like physical healing in this church body. I know that some of you are, and, and we're praying for you. Um, we're praying for restorations and relationships. Relationships are um, needing restoration and reconciliation and healing. Um, we need wholeness and healing in this church body. Um, freedom from addiction. This is something that we should just, we know that we experience this in this body. It's important that we acknowledge that and that we, um, that we understand that this is maybe not a battle that everybody is fighting, but this is a battle that someone is fighting. Praying for a spouse or a child, maybe someone taking a season or, or on a path to, of destruction on experiencing. I know I'm praying for family members myself. Um, so as we're in this Christmas season and we're looking at these decorations and thank you to all that we're putting up these decorations. I, I love preparing for Christmas. I love the look of Christmas. Um, I, want, I want my heart to match my home. You know, I want to be prepared like that in my heart. And I want us here to be prepared, our hearts to be prepared like this place is. So if you would pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are excited. This is Christmas time, and there is an element of, of uh, 
the, the, the cheerfulness and the anticipation and the looking forward to, and I can't wait to one, you know, wondering what it is. And we, we, there's this anticipation, but there's also things that we're just longing for. Sometimes, sometimes maybe the excitement gets too much and it turns into, uh, it turns into this longing that we ache for. Maybe we live with this ache. Maybe we don't know what we're aching for. It's possible, Lord, that we need you to reveal that this morning. What is it that we are longing for? And it's manifesting in our life in different ways that we need you to address. We bring these to you. We, we extend our longings to you. And we anticipate what you would give us in return. In Jesus' name, amen. So, I'm going to start off with an exercise, and uh, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. This may or may not work. It worked for me. It was. It, was, it felt. So we'll see. But um, but it but it was important to me when thinking about this anticipation, a season of anticipation, and looking forward to something that I sort of have a frame of reference when I look at the scriptures. And so I thought to myself, imagine if there was no Christmas. Imagine if we didn't have the story that we are celebrating, the, you know, baby in a manger, the virgin birth. Imagine if none of that has happened yet. Keyword, yet. So we know, we, we understand that Jesus is coming again and... and um, you know, that, that's something we understand. So let's just pretend like that's going to be the thing that we call Christmas, if that makes sense. I don't know if that makes sense at all, but let's pretend like that's the thing that will be remembered as Christmas, and we are looking forward to that, or, or that's in our future. Well, we have Scripture. We have Scripture that supports, uh, that tells us of His coming, and that tells us that we should be prepared. And we do our, we're diligent. We do prepare, and we think about um, his coming. Remember, this is, I know, we're still in this exercise. Um, so we should be prepared uh, that, that when he comes, he will restore what ought to be. So there's this looking forward to, anticipating, preparing for, and he will restore what ought to be. His people, us, will be saved and dwell securely with him as at, with him as king, and his kingdom will last forever. So there's eternity that we will live with him securely and will be saved, and he will execute justice and righteousness. So those all, actually, when you think about it, that's not much of a stretch for us because we understand Jesus is coming. We have scriptures. We are to be prepared we do understand that he will restore the way things ought to be. We do know that he will exercise justice and righteousness. And we do know, we know that, uh, that his kingdom will last forever and that we will be saved and with him. In it, all of what I read there came from Old Testament, though. You know, this is what they, they were anticipating like, like we're anticipating. Um, they didn't know when, 
They had enough information that they felt like it must be soon. They were thinking it was maybe just around the corner. Um, of course, there was discussions, I imagine, just like there is today. Uh, it'll happen a certain way. Some people have different thoughts. Uh, discussions about, I mean, we've had, I know that there's been a few. We don't talk about it too much, but like pre-trib, post-trib. I know there was another one, pan-trib or something. Huh? Yeah. So there, there's, to be honest, I'll be honest with you, I hold this stuff very, very loosely myself. Personally, I don't know exactly, but I, I find it entertaining to have discussions about it. I really enjoy thinking about it and like, what would it be like? I wonder if it'll be like this. I wonder if it'd be like that. But those discussions were happening. I wonder if it's this king, you know? Is it Jehoshaphat? Is it, you know? Um, and what will it be like after he comes? So after in, we know he'll come and restore, like, what is that like? What will life be like? Will we still work? Will we still recognize each other? Will we, you know, there's a lot of things that they were wondering about. Um, a lot of things we don't know, but they all agree. We all agree that he will be here. He will come and we can't wait. And we have his promise. This is important. Like, how do we know? Because he's promised us. He promised it from the beginning. Uh, Genesis 3.15 I will put enmity between you and the woman. God is speaking to the serpent right after the fall. This is when it all came down and we're doomed. Oh my goodness, we messed up. And he says, I will put enmity, a space, a chasm between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Speaking to the serpent. That, that word bruise and the Hebrew word for that which I don't know how to pronounce it or anything. But what was cool to me was that Hebrew word for bruise, NIV says crush. So it's also crush. Um, strike is another one. NIV says that, that, uh, that he shall crush your head and you shall strike his heel. So there are some words. The other one I saw was smear. It's like, yeah, that's it. Now we're getting in the ballpark, you know? Is pop one of them too, you know, like, like this was a fatal blow that happened. And he promised this back right after the fall. Um, I think that's a, 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 just as, as we're looking forward and wondering, I'm sure even Adam and Eve were in, in the, you know, probably witnessed that conversation and they were like, wow, what's this going to be like? You know, already starting to wonder like, what? Um, God made this promise to Abraham and Sarah. They were discouraged. They couldn't have any children. And God had promised them a multitude. How does that work? Um, but he promised. And then, he, and then they had Isaac. And he said, we'll sacrifice your son. Be obedient to me. Demonstrate your obedience. And... and God stayed Abraham. He stopped him. He said, no, just that, that knife was coming down. That knife was coming down. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, by myself, I have sworn. 
declares the Lord, because you have done this and you have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven as, and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. That was about as far before Christ as we are after Christ. That was about 2,000 plus years before Christ. Like this is the other side of history that this promise is reiterated and, and reinstate, reminded of. Um, of course, Abraham's descendants, people of Israel, chosen people of God, they find themselves in slavery in the land of Egypt. So God uses Moses and he delivers them out of slavery and between an army and a sea. And then he opens the sea and he brings them through the waters and onto the other side. And then they're hungry and he feeds them miraculous food from heaven. And then they're lost, but he gives them a fire by night and a cloud by day. You know, everything. He's just pulling them through this thing, this promise, like, when will we get there? When will this happen? The promised land. Uh, uh, I'm sure a lot of these discussions, you know, when we're talking about how is this going to happen and when is this going to happen? I'm sure this was happening a lot in their, in their inner circles. Um, but we know too that, that through this time, God's speaking through his prophets. Moses even prophesied of the, of the Messiah right before they were to enter the, the land of Canaan. He said, um, I will put my words in his mouth. Or he would raise one up and put his wor- my words in his mouth and he shall speak unto them all that I should command. So Israel, through all of this stuff, they find themselves influenced by the world. They end up following human kings instead of God himself. They ask for this. We make our choices and then our choices make us. But God's covenant with his people remain his promise endured, and he continued to speak through the prophets concerning the Messiah. Um, Samuel had told David that the, Samuel, that the Savior would come through his line, and that was about a thousand years. And when I'm looking at this timeline, I'm like, that's still a thousand years away. But we see this in there. And if you look in, at, at the genealogy of Jesus, sure enough, there it is. Um, Isaiah, when the, the northern kingdom of Israel, the northern tribes um, had fell to Assyria and Babylon was knocking at Judah's door there, um, they were about to, you know, to reap their reward um, and be conquered. And Isaiah confirmed what Samuel had said, that this would be through the line of Jesse. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. That's in Isaiah 11.1. 1. Also in Isaiah, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 
I think one of the things, especially when we get into Isaiah and Jeremiah and even Daniel, where uh, it's like, God, I didn't put that in here, but look for yourself. Um, when in Daniel, he almost gives him like one of those little paper chains, you know, 70 weeks. And I'm going to, and it, it's pretty neat thing to see that God is doing these things. Why is he doing these things? Um, but Jeremiah, witnessing the fall of, of Judah to Babylon, wrote about the coming Savior. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the same name, or the, and this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. And this is, I, I, as you can see that this is getting closer and closer, and Jeremiah now is introducing this, this new idea, a whole new paradigm. What's it going to be like? I'll tell you one other thing it's going to be like. There's going to be a new covenant established. Uh, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declared the Lord. I will put my law within them and I will write it in their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. This level of intimacy, this, this oneness with, that there will be a, a, recon, a reconciled relationship. You know, these people at the, at the time, exiled, their situation couldn't be worse. I mean, they were crumbling. The people, their what purpose, you know, our purpose is, is, uh, is, broken, I guess you'd say. Our will, our spirit is down. Um, the people of Israel were no, not only did they, they're, they're, the city of Jerusalem, the walls, the temple, the, all that stuff, but they were gone. Like the, the spirit of community was broken too. Um, and we see this for hundreds of years. Uh, God's people has gone through these cycles, blessing and punishment, captivity, deliverance, and they, in this, in this uh, condition, they went from being led by God to judges to kings. And they kept finding themselves drawn to the world and consumed by the world. They were broken and battered. This is a, this is a big principle to me when I'm thinking about this time of them looking forward to why would God allow Israel to, to be in, in such a state? God's chosen people, maybe the neighboring nations, yeah, you know, maybe their spirits are low and all that, but, but God's chosen people, the people of Israel should be a, a model of unity you know, this purpose, like we are just nothing but victory to victory to victory. But that's not what we see. It's not what we read in the scriptures. And this principle, God allows us to make choices and experience consequences. This is super important. 
This condition is the context in which God displays his great love and faithfulness and reminds us of his promise for salvation and restoration. What if Israel had gotten it right and nailed it every time? They need God? There's actually something really valuable about the fact that, that I don't, that I experience this, that I feel broken because I need wholeness and healing. I wouldn't know that if I didn't feel broken. I wouldn't need his guidance if I didn't feel lost. I think it's really important that, that God allowed Israel to experience these things because he had a purpose. Why didn't Jesus, and this is something that I was kind of related to that, I was thinking, why, why didn't Jesus, why didn't God send Jesus right after the fall? I mean, man, we could have taken care of this serpent right away, right there. He's had him in front of him, like just step on him, you know, squish him, squish his head already. But there was something, some reason why there is all this time that elapsed between the fall and between the Messiah, between Jesus coming. And Galatians 4, 4, 7, 4 to 7 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Praise God. And because you are sons... God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God, an heir. We have an inheritance. We have something to look forward to. We have this hope. God has allowed this time. The circumstances in time are the context for this hope to thrive for God's faithfulness to be demonstrated to his people. It's actually a pretty important thing. That's the second principle that came up was God's perfect plan and purpose includes an element of waiting and longing, living life within the context of hope. I find that tremendously helpful because I need it. (laughs) And we're better for it. We live in a world fraught with the consequences of sin and we long for healing and wholeness. So what do we do? And how do we live under these conditions? I understand this is the way things are and that I need this, but I'm looking for some, practically speaking, what do I do? And I find this in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, and therefore, by the way, I'm I'm really digging my hermeneutics classes because, of course, I look back and I went, what's the therefore, therefore? And uh, he just went through and explained prior to that the, the, uh, the sacrifice, the once and for all sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So he talked about, we have no need for these sacrifices anymore because the sin has been atoned on the cross. So therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, through the sacrifice that he just 
just reminded us of. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We are made acceptable in Christ to draw near and cozy up to God. We can climb up into his lap. This is our source. This is the fuel. This is the, you know, the, the, when my kids were afraid of the dark and we'd be out hunting and, and they wouldn't want to go out in the dark and I wasn't afraid, but they were. When they slipped their hand into mine, they'd go with me anywhere. There's something about that just cozy on up. Slip your hand into God's hand and we can do that through the work of Jesus. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful, me not so much, but he is faithful. So let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. So there's a community element here. There's the cozy up to God, hold fast to this hope. There's the community element here, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near, as you anticipate what's coming. So there's three points that I that I I saw emerge out of this text here. Uh, the first one: we are to ground ourselves in our hope in Jesus Christ. This hope is our strong foundation. There is no other strong foundation. Man is not a strong foundation. We can trust our hope in we can we can trust our hope in Jesus because of His faithfulness. This hope changes our perspective of our circumstances, changes the way we see things, the way I see people. The second thing is that we are to encourage each other to activate this hope for the purpose of good and loving actions or deeds. That's what it says. We're to build each other up, hold each other accountable, and stand strong together. This is that community element. This is not a top-down. This, this is a brothers and sisters. We are brothers and sisters. We get to stand with each other and be here for each other and, and hug each other and encourage each other and hold each other accountable. And then the third one, we're to look forward to Jesus' return and the day we will be with him in a perfect, restored condition. The imminence of his return motivates us and encourages us to press on. You know, like when you see the finish line right over the horizon, and all of a sudden you've got this burst of energy that you are going to finish strong, and you're going to run a little harder. And I find that when I think about when, when this, um, when I think about the return or 
um, when I think about seeing Jesus and being with Jesus, I think I'm more patient. I think I'm more kind and loving. I think I endure more. My circumstances don't, they, they don't control me as much. Um, I think especially I have personally with, like I've shared earlier, as far as people dying and stuff, um, this is a whole different thing. This changes my death is a defeated enemy when we share in Christ's victory. And when we're thinking of when I'm thinking about seeing Jesus again, you know, I don't know. I know that when this was written, all the more as you see the Hebrews, that was a long time ago. And Jesus hasn't come yet. So they thought it was just around the corner. And I think it's just around the corner. But you know, I've got probably a max 60 plus years here. So it is going to be soon no matter what. But I'm not afraid of death. Death is a defeated enemy. You know, praise God, I'm going to see Jesus within 60 years. So either way. Um, and I think when I think about these, these three things, that we are grounded in our hope, that we are holding fast to our hope in Jesus Christ, nothing else. We're not, hold, we're not holding fast to anything else. That's what we're holding fast to, that we're encouraging each other in this community, this ecclesia right here, that is the beautiful bride of Christ. He is the head of this church. And that we are, oh, we are so excited and, and so anticipating being in his presence. Um, John 16, 33 says, when Jesus said, these are his words, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in me you may have peace. This hope that we endure tribulation, yeah, it's going to be there. It's going to be there. But we can have peace in Jesus he is our anchor and our hope is in him. So earlier I'd asked you what you were longing for. Um, maybe, maybe there was something that came to mind, something that your, your heart aches for, uh, or, or maybe that's something that you need to ask the Holy Spirit to ask you, to reveal to you. But when I think about this and I, and I look at Israel's experience, one thing that I realized is that I want all of my longings to drive me to, to long for him more, if that makes sense. That, that when I ache to be with, you know, I, I want to experience that again, the being together with my grandparents. You know what? I want to be together with my grandparents. I am excited for that day. And it makes me long for that. Um, I think that's a, that's, you know, that's what I pray for. I pray that my circumstances make me long for him more than anything else. The things that were meant to discourage me actually just drive me forward. Those things drive me forward in my expectation of, man, I am so excited to see Jesus. Paul says, to live as Christ and die as gain. I think there's an in, a really interesting balance there of being able to just, you know, go full sin, but also 
hey, if I die, what happens then? I get to see Jesus. Um, so we're going to take communion here. And so we're going to prepare for communion. The uh, worship team can come on up. And as we prepare for communion, um, this hope that we have that trumps our circumstances, this hope that we have that drives us forward, um, I think one of the most profound places that I, that I see a good an example of this is that as we remember communion, when we take communion and we remember the sacrifice, you know, Christ being led up to the cross on the hill of Golgotha, that it wasn't just him. There was two other guys and two criminals that went up with him to be crucified. And they were right alongside the crowds. They were reviling Christ. Uh, they didn't... They didn't, uh, they didn't see him for who he was, but they were on his left and his right. And in that process, in that whole experience, he, the, these guys saw the crowds. They heard the crowds. They even joined in a little bit. They saw Jesus speak with John. They, they saw Jesus speak with God, his father. They heard that. They heard the centurion say, surely this man was innocent. Surely this man is the son of God. Like, they heard these things, but one of them responded to the message of salvation. And I'm, I think this is such an interesting picture because he was nailed on the cross. He, he was in agony. He couldn't breathe. Not only was his life in agony, but he was fully aware that this is exactly what he deserved. It was expected. He deserved it. But in that process, in that, in that agonizing state, he realizes that Jesus is who he says he was. And this whole thing changes as he responds by putting his faith in Jesus and saying, would you please, you know, remember me, Jesus, remember me. And Jesus gives him this thing. When he puts his longing into Jesus's hands and Jesus responds with something so special, and this is what I pray that he responds to your longing with, surely I tell you today, you will be with me in paradise. The ultimate hope instilled in a in a uh, a hopeless hopeless man all of a sudden was filled with hope that I will be in paradise I will be with Jesus in paradise I think that changed everything I would imagine that the nails in his hand and his barely being able to breathe his condition his physical condition at that part probably I like to think that he almost forgot what was going on. He almost forgot the pain that he was experiencing because his hope trumped his circumstances. His hope in God 
was everything. And, and as he died, he died a victorious man. He shared in Christ's victory. You know, that, that's a pretty amazing hope if you think about it. And there's two guys, though. The other one didn't respond that way. And so I pray that as we're taking communion, as you pre- prepare your heart and you take the elements, that we're considering deeply that, that it says Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. I mean, that literally what happened to that young man on the cross next to him. And that if you haven't accepted that invitation, I pray that you wouldn't wait any longer. I pray that you would confess to God that you need saving. Confess to God that you are not enough and that you need him. Put your, put your hope in him and receive the assurance that he will give you. He will give you this blessed assurance, this hope in a future. And take communion knowing that you will see, be with Jesus in paradise, knowing that you have that home. So if you would take uh, the elements, come and get those elements, and then go back to your seat, and then I'll lead us in the partaking in just a minute.